ask you if you could just kneel down. If you can. Just kneel down as a sign of humility before God and surrender before God. I'm going to lead us in a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit today. Father, Lord, thank you again for speaking to us about the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we we need the Holy Spirit. We we don't want to just read about the book of Acts. We're thankful for it. But we want to see and experience the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our day, in our time, in our fellowship. So Father, we sang... Let it rain, oh God. Let the Spirit rain upon us. Open the floodgates of heaven, Lord. Pour out your Spirit, Lord. Lord, what would prevent your moving upon us? Sin? Rebellion? Arrogance? Pride? Lord, we confess all those things to you right now. We're on our knees, oh God. We're on our knees, Lord, showing you, telling you, we need you, Lord. We repent of sin and attitudes that aren't godly and things that we say and do that aren't right, Lord. We pray for forgiveness in the name of Jesus. But Lord, we also kneel here with our hands open, ready to receive your healing, your blessing, your anointing, the infilling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, today. So Lord, you know the trials that we face. You know the obstacles that are in front of us. You know the battles we fight. You know the demons we fight. But Lord, your Spirit is definitely, certainly able to empower us, as your word says, to be more than conquerors. So we take a stand right now, and Lord, we we ask you fill us with your holy presence. Empower us to defeat the works of Satan and the works of flesh in our lives. Give us the mind and heart of Jesus as we sojourn, as we as we carry out our lives on this sinful planet. Let our lives and our light shine so bright, oh God. Father, for anyone here that has a loved one not walking with you, we pray for their salvation today. For anyone here or watching on live stream that has a loved one that's sick or or in a perilous health crisis, we pray for divine healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, if anyone is just in turmoil emotionally because of what's happening in our country with the pandemic, with the social unrest, with the political season upon us, Lord God, bring peace to your church. Bring peace to your your body, your, your sons and daughters, oh God. Lord, that turmoil is not from you. We serve a God of peace and we pray for your peace to flood our soul and our spirit at this time. So Lord, thank you for this divine interruption today. Pray your blessing, your anointing to be upon us powerfully, not only today, but in these days that lie ahead. So we thank you, give you thanks and praise for it now. Hallelujah. Father, while we're in this moment of prayer, we want to pray for our brother Bruce Squibb, his family, uh, regarding the passing of his mom this week. We thank you that she is at home with you. Lord, your word says, Psalm 116, how precious is the death of your saints. And Lord, in this case, she is with you. She professed you as her Lord for many, many years and lived a godly life. Thank you that Mrs. Squibb is at peace with you. May that peace now come upon Bruce and his wife and his brothers and sisters and kids and grandkids and all the extended family. Bless them and take care of them, oh God. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we, uh, we give you this service now. We give you this time. Lord, this is just the beginning. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through the different things that will happen between now and then. Let your will be done in this place. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. for sharing this time in your service. I thank God for this opportunity to share his word. Lately, I have felt like Jonah. God has placed a word on my heart that I should share with my mouth. My hesitation is that it will fall on deaf ears. Right now, African Americans are in pain as we watch unarmed Americans get murdered. We as a Christian church seek to follow God's word. However, we can sometimes become embellished with what we feel and are comfortable with instead of listening to God's word for guidance. What does Christ say? Love one another. God's words, not mine. His word, John thirteen thirty four. I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. Here's a picture. As you look at this picture of the two hands holding on to each other, what do you really see? Do you see hope? Do you see dependence on one another? Do you see love? Or do you see strife? Do you see more than the other? Do you see division? What do you see? Often what we see has nothing to do with our vision. It's our heart. If we are fed hate about differences, we will see hate. If we are raised in an environment that feeds fear, we will be fearful. But our Lord has not given us a heart of fear. Joshua 1, 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. When we are doing God's work, do not be afraid. Love one another. What stops us from welcoming the foreigner, healing the sick, respecting others, and seeking justice? What prevents us from seeing others as human beings, not to be shot in the back, choked out in the streets, and murdered in our homes? We as Christians have to make a decision to follow Christ, not pretend to love, but actually show love. We are accountable. How we view others is one of the things God has to change in us. When we follow Christ, we are to become new creatures, discarding the old. But sometimes we hold on to our old values. 
from parents, family, and community. We were exposed to racist words and fear of others. Christ has said, put these things behind you. Please look at this picture. What do you see? Some may see a duck. Some may see a rabbit. Our brains often cause us to see things one way. Sometimes you may have to move or shift positions to get a different point of view, to actually see what is going on. But for many, they are perfectly content on seeing things one way. For me and many others, we are forced to live under an oppressive system of discrimination because of the color of our skin, much like the Samaritans were treated in Jesus' time. Jesus didn't beat down the oppressed. He visited the oppressed as an example of what Christians should be doing. Jesus didn't blame them for their condition. He offered them a way out, a new life through him. But Jesus couldn't change the mindset of those who hate. He left that role for us. The reason I show you this picture is a demonstration of how people may look at me. Some picture me as a threat, a bad person, a criminal, never giving me or others like me the benefit of doubt as presented by the world, your culture, by your experience. Maybe the duck. While others may see me as the rabbit, like them, a human being to be treated equally. What do you see? May God bless you. <clears throat> Can we pray for just a second? Lord God, we just come before you now and uh, thank you for that, that word and that reminder that you see us all the same. We pray, Lord, that your church would be a reflection of that love but Lord, we need your Holy Spirit in these days to discern and, and to go forward uh, in grace and mercy, but also in power. Lord, we pray for anyone in our church or anyone in our community that feels slighted or neglected or hurt by the things that are happening nationally. We pray for your Holy Spirit to comfort them. That somehow, some way, Lord, something good will come out of all of this. So thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that this fellowship is a multicultural church, and we, we, we applaud that, and we thank you for that. We pray that we will continue to go forward along those lines, all for your glory and for your sake. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bible, please, and uh, let's get ready for the Word. Um, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and I want to read uh, one verse of Scripture to you now. That's Galatians 2, verse 20. Uh, and then we'll be looking at the surrounding scriptures as we get going today. Um, so Galatians 2.20 says this, and we're going to pray again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Lord God, as we get into your word now, Lord, I believe that we're ready. Spiritually, we're ready. Uh, We've worshiped, we've prayed, and, and we're ready to hear your word. So may your word, Lord, penetrate our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, even our body. And may we be better off at the end of all this. But Holy Spirit, come, speak to your church now. Lord God, anoint me with your presence that I may speak what saith the Lord in such a way that it'll be easy to understand and it'll be applicable to our lives today. So I thank you and praise you for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank uh, those of you that, that preach during Preacher's Month uh, here in August. Uh, every year we have, we have other people from our church preach during August. Uh, since there's five Sundays, I decided to preach on this last one. But thank you, uh, Bill Unger. Thank you, uh, Wayne Zanke. Thank you, uh, Pastor Bill. And thank you, Stacy, for sharing the word. I, I think the messages were, were uh, encouraging and challenging. Uh, each one stepped out to share a word that they had prayed about. Um, they were brave. They were bold. They were studious. They were informative. And um, in that same spirit of, of that, I want to preach this message today to help you or to challenge all of us today to step up, to step out, to step into something that's maybe new for you to do. Uh, maybe a little bit difficult for you to do. I want to, I want to, I want to prick your heart. I want to shake off the dust that may have settled over your spirit, and uh, and and help you realize that there is a whole lot for you and I to do for the kingdom of God in these days. I've entitled the message "A Pioneer Spirit," and based upon Galatians two twenty. We, we could see a, a few things here. Now, that, that verse stands alone very well, all by itself. But in the context of the passage, it even makes it stronger. But here's the general premise of what I'm trying to say. As a follower, as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, our old man has literally died and our new man is living. It says in that verse that the, the life that I live in the flesh, the life that I live in real life, I live it through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Now let me talk about that verse for just a second. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. You're familiar with that, right? Most of you, you've heard that phrase, we've been crucified with Christ. That's why we like to say things like, sometimes we like to hang around the cross but not put ourselves on the cross. Sometimes we know about the cross, but we don't put ourselves on there to be crucified with Christ. But the reality is, when we accept Christ, that he died for us, we die too. And when we accept Christ, that he rose from the grave, we have that resurrection power within us. So, but, but see, this crucifixion, this crucified with Christ, does not equal perfection. It more or less means the crucifixion of our lives is a daily experience. Are you still glad you came to church to hear this today? I mean, theologically, it's a done deal. We've been crucified with Christ. It's done. But in reality, in day-to-day life, it's a daily work in progress. That's why Jesus said when he said, I want to teach you how to pray, pray like this. In Mark, uh, Matthew 6, 11, he said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Because every single day, 
We need spiritual food from God to, to feed the new man so that the old man won't come back. And, and we get spiritual food to starve out the old man so that the new man can live. That's why John says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, we, we Christian people, by the way, does, does anyone ever sin? Does anyone ever you know, have a bad day or a bad week? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to go longer than a week because I think a week is probably good enough or long enough. But sometimes we may have a bad season, but, but we're Christians, you know. But, but John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this walk that we have, although it's done, you know, theologically, our, our salvation is purchased on the cross. In reality, it's being lived out every single day. That's why we say we've been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. So today we're being saved. I can't base my day today on what I did yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I'm being saved today. I'm being crucified with Christ today as we speak. I could choose not to be. And I could choose not to follow Christ today. And, and leave my hands in the hands of a, of a God that may be upset with me. Or put myself in a predicament where all the forces of hell will try to tear me down and destroy me. Because that's his agenda. So this, this walk with God is a daily activity. And so I want to I look at the overall passage of scripture that surrounds verse 20. Because I've been finding, especially as we go through the book of Romans on Wednesday night, look at some of those powerful scriptures, you know, that stand alone, all by themselves, really powerfully. But when we look at them in the greater context of the passage, it really takes on a much deeper, deeper meaning. And I hope that today the same thing will happen as we get into the reasons why Paul says that in verse number 20. So let's look at the overview. There's a brief outline on the, on the screen for you to, to look at. And I want to start at verse number 11. It says, Peter came to Antioch. Now, Antioch, as you may know, I preached on Antioch many times. And I, I want to do that again soon. But I see a different aspect of Antioch here that I didn't see before. But anyway, Peter came to Antioch, and there was a thriving church in Antioch. Paul was there as well. And, and at this church of Antioch, uh, there, there was the hub of activity. There was evangelism. There was missions work going on. There was teaching. And a lot of good stuff was going on at the church of Antioch. They, they had a leadership team that was multicultural. There was the Greek Jew, the Roman, the black man from Niger, the Cyrenian from North Africa, and there was the Pharisee, Paul. And they all worked together in union with the Holy Spirit. And in that setting, they sent out Paul and Barnabas to go on a mission trip. But anyway, at this point, Peter is in Antioch with Paul. And it says that Paul withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Now, when you read that, you have to know this is not a really good situation. I mean, we have two pillars of the faith that are going to go head to head in just a minute. So verse number 12, this is what happened. I'll just paraphrase it. You can read it in your Bible. But there were certain people that came from James. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So these, these Judaizers, it says they were uh, those of the circumcisions, or another phrase would be they're Jewish Christians, or they're Judaizers. They came from Jerusalem, where James was, up to Antioch to visit. 
Now, what they brought with them was a, was a faulty theology. The faulty theology was, we accept the Gentiles, but they have to get circumcised, and they have to follow the dietary laws of the Jews. Not only were they wrong for putting that on the Gentiles, they were wrong for putting that on themselves. But the problem, although it was that, the, the greater problem was, when they were not there, Peter freely fellowshiped with the Gentile believers. He ate with them, spent time with them, you know, associated with them. They were all, they were great. It was like the way it should be. But when they got there, Peter, Peter of all people, for fear of them in their, in their position, he withdrew from the Gentiles. And he wouldn't associate with them. And it's amazing to think that the Peter that we know, that has been through all that he went through, was now dealing with this issue. But that was the case. In verse number 13, and, and now Peter is a man of influence, obviously. He's Peter. But he's influencing other people that are doing the same thing as he was. Even Barnabas, it says, got caught up in this hypocrisy. So Paul is telling Peter that he was a hypocrite. He was, what he was doing was, was hypocritical. So, a couple of things here. First of all, we can see that even if you're a somebody in the church, there may be times that you need to be corrected. All right? Because nobody has arrived yet. And secondly, God usually uses other people to speak a correction to somebody else. It would be wise to weigh it out and receive it, if that's the case. The, the good thing about this story is that Peter never rebuked Paul for correcting him. Because he knew he was wrong in that situation. Okay, let's go down to verse number 13. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 14. Uh, when I saw that they were, Paul writing, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by that? What does that mean? They were not straightforward about the truth. Okay, so they were, they were saying they belonged to Christ, they were Christians, but they weren't following in the truth. They weren't following in the right path because they were adding other things onto these new believers like the dietary laws and circumcisions. So they weren't really in the truth. They weren't straightforward about the truth. Uh, he writes in verse 14, uh, I said to Peter, I said to Peter before everybody, and some people would say, why would he do that publicly? The answer to that is because Peter did what he did publicly. Obviously, he, he withdrew from the Gentiles. Everybody knew what he was doing. So Paul took it upon himself to publicly rebuke him. And he said to him before everybody, if you, if you being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Paraphrase, if you're a Jew... And you live with the Gentiles like there's no problem. Why do you now expect them to live like the Jews that have these dietary laws and circumcision? Like you live in their world, but now you expect them to live in your world. That's what Paul is saying. So verse number 15 and 16 kind of go together. It says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. In other words, we who have a moral background, we have a, a spiritual background, we know that man is not justified by keeping the, the, the rules of the law, by keeping the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus uh, that we would be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. As though Peter didn't know this, but he already knew this. 
He already had his encounter with Cornelius when the Gentiles, the Roman and the Gentiles received Christ. He heard them speaking in tongues for goodness sakes. But now because of fear of these, I don't know, big shots or important people that came up from Jerusalem, he withdraws out of fear for them. It just kind of tells you how human we all are, how fragile we all are. You, you would think that by now, right? Here's Peter on the day of Pentecost after he denied the Lord and did all that. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit preaching. 3,000 people get saved. Hallelujah. And now some years later, he's pulling back from the things he knows are true for fear of man. It just tells me how careful we must be, how fragile we are, and not to get so puffed up to think that we can't be swayed in the wrong direction. So, where are we? Verse 15, 16. Uh, so, in verses, let's see, 16, uh, Paul makes it very clear, you know, man is not justified by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 17, look at verse number 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found to be sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? I had to really think about that. What he's saying is, if we're being justified by faith, in other words, you accept Christ, you're putting Christ first, you're going for it, you know, you're trying to do the right thing, but you find out that you're in some sinful situation, like Peter was, do you think that Christ is now a minister of sin? Does Christ condone that behavior? Does he give you permission to act like that or be like that? That would be like us saying, well, I'm being justified by faith, but you know what, I, I, I got drunk the other night, or, or I did something illegal the other night, or I, I did something, something immoral uh, the other night, but, but I'm with the Lord and, and Christ is okay with me. So we're making Christ now a minister of sin. And his, his response to that rhetorical question is, certainly not. That will never be accepted. And so he's saying to Peter and the rest, do you think that by you doing that, because you're being justified by faith, which you know, and you, you live that, you believe that, do you think it's okay for you to do this to the Gentiles? And, and if you do, then Christ is now a minister of sin. And so he says emphatically, no, you can't do that. As he says in Romans chapter 6, what shall we do? Sin more, that grace would abound more? Heaven, heaven forbid, no. God forbid, no, that's not right. You don't sin more, that grace would abound more. And then look at verse number 19, uh, 18. If, if I build again those things which I destroyed, what does that mean? Well, if I go back in my life, if I start to pick up drugs, if I start to drink, if I start to be prideful and arrogant, and I start to, whatever, have a bad temper like I used to do before I got delivered. If I go back, if I build up those things that I already destroyed, I, I'm already, I'm making myself a transgressor once again. We call that backsliding. So now he's saying to Peter and the rest, are you backslidden? You think you could do that and do that and still call yourself a Christian? No, no, you can't. You can't. Those things you tore down, and Peter must have gone through so much to tear down those walls. Remember, he had the dream about the food, and, and you'll go minister to the Gentiles, but they're, they're unclean, and blah, blah, blah. He went through a whole mindset change here, you know? And now he's going back in his way. Well, I guess these guys are right, and maybe I'm afraid what they're going to say. So what, you're, you're, you're going you're to build up those things that you destroyed before? Well, if you do that, you're a transgressor. You might as well go back and get saved all over again and start the thing all over. 
And put those things that you pick back up again, put them down again. And get on with the Lord. Because you can't live both worlds. Verse 19, For I, through the law, I died to the law, that I might live to God. Okay, what does that mean? Well, you know, our study in Romans really comes in handy because in Romans for like five chapters already, Paul is like saying it over and over from different angles and different points. The law, the law leads you to a dead end which opens a door to where Christ is. There's no salvation in the law, but it leads you to Jesus Christ. The next step from the law is to receive Jesus. And so he says in verse 19, I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Hallelujah. He recognized, Paul, he recognized, I did all the law, I, I, but I died in the law. And now I stepped one step more. The logical step is to receive Christ as my Lord. And now I live in grace. I don't live under the law. So verse number 19, then verse number 20. For I have been crucified with Christ. This is the fact. My sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Let me, let me digress for just a moment. I could just see someone coming before a judge, you know, today, that they just uh, robbed the store and now they're going to court. And the person says to the judge, but judge, that wasn't me. That was my old self. That was my old nature. And the judge would say, well, I understand spiritually where you're at, but you did what you did, and I find you guilty. So there, there's a whole thing going on. I'm crucified with Christ, yes, but I've got to stay crucified every day to get the most out of it, if you want to look at it that way. I've got to stay in this right position with Christ, being crucified with him daily, that the new man would live and thrive. Verse 21 says, I, I don't set aside the grace of God. Of course not. I live in the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, if all you have to do is follow the dietary laws and get circumcised and, and follow the law, why in the world would Christ need to come? Well, that wouldn't do it, and that's why Christ needed to come. Because there's no, there's no salvation in the law. The, the law leads you to one who would provide salvation. But verse, chapter 3, verse 1 is the clincher for me. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Who twisted your mind to think that you're saved by your works and not by the grace of God? Who told you that you could live your life that way? So this whole epistle actually is about refuting what the Judaizers brought to the table. This little episode with Peter is just one little section of it. So... I think we have some of that in our culture today. Like, we might think, well, I, I, I'm, I'm being justified by faith, but I do some things that aren't right, but it's okay. It's kind of under, under grace. And, and we have a whole church movement that is uh, somewhat watered down. I mean, in the old days, it used to be called holiness and sanctification. In the new days, it's called being too much for God. But I tell you, you can't be too much for God. God likes holiness. He's calling us to holiness. He's calling us to be different and to raise the standard. We can't live like Paul's saying. We can't live as though we can dabble in the past and still be justified. We're, we're making ourselves a transgressor all over again. I just thought of something. Let me say it while I have it on my mind. 
in the assemblies uh, in our district, we have, uh, we have meetings every now and then, Zoom meetings with all, all the pastors. There was a meeting this week in which there was a, a guest, and the guest was sharing something about, historically, how in the 60s and 70s there was a lot of social unrest like there is now, rioting and protesting and, you know, different things. And out of that crazy time was birthed the Jesus movement. And he said, you know what? It would be just like the Lord to do something similar today, that in the midst of all the social unrest, racial unrest, political unrest, everything that's going on, it wouldn't surprise him if God was getting ready to raise up worshipers in the midst of that mess. But they they must be people that are sold out to God. He's not going to use lukewarm Christians for that. He's going, to, he's going to use people that are daily crucified with Christ. And if you're, if you're that, get ready for something. So this is what happens. So there's a group from California. I think his name is Sean Voigt. I think it is. So they have a worship team. They've been, they've been going to Portland. They've been going to Chicago. Different cities having worship services. Well, they were in New York City last night. Now, if you know New York City... Washington Park Square was the birthplace of the hippie movement in the, in the 60s. I've been there m- many, many times. I used to play my guitar down there. We, Pam and I would go down there. And we see all the wild people, all the crazy people running around the streets of New York. In that park, last night, there were thousands of people gathered together singing praises to God with a worship team from California. There were people getting baptized in the fountain in the middle of Washington Square. This is miraculous, right? Now, you take that, you, you take Port, Portland, you take uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, whatever else you want to take, all the stuff that's going on. In the midst of all the chaos, God is raising up people that are crucified with Christ, willing to step out in faith to do something radical for the kingdom of God. I think that is awesome. And now, now that group that was in New York last night, guess where they're going to be at 4 o'clock today? Boston Common. So we need to pray for them. If you want to go, go and be a part of it. But I'm just saying, in the midst of the ruins, God is doing something. But he's not going to use you or me if we're dabbling, if we're half-hearted, if we're not sincere in our faith. I'm not saying perfection, because being crucified with Christ does not mean perfection. It means being willing to be changed to his image every single day. All right, so anyway, our Christian faith is a radiant faith. Once we're in faith, everything in our lives changes. It has to. If it doesn't change, then I don't know if we're in the faith. The Christian faith is a radical faith. It's a radiant faith. It's an, it's an on-fire faith. It's a living faith. But in order to receive all that God has for us, we must be and stay new. So, how do you do that? Jesus said in Mark 2, he said, look, you don't get new wine, you don't put it in an old wineskin. Because that old wineskin is crusty, it's old, it's, it's gone through the changes it would go through naturally. You put a new wine in there that's going to ferment and change and chemically react or whatever. You put that in here, this wineskin is going to crack and all the wine is going to spill out, it's going to, everything's going to be wasted. You've got to get new wine and put it into a new wineskin so that that wineskin can grow and develop with the new wine. 
And what he's saying is you can't take this new faith. You can't take this born again experience. You can't take this new testament and live it out with an old way of thinking or doing. It will not work. You've got to put yourself in a position to be radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul, uh, Peter and Paul both were, were what you, was, you, you might say religious people. You know, they were religious in a sense. I can think back on my life and and, you know, I was brought up in a religious, with a re- religious family. I went to church. I prayed. We prayed before dinner every night growing up. Still do. My mom still does. But when I became born again, I, I could not live out my faith in that structure of the old way of thinking. Because the new way was living and thriving and radiant and radical. And it was like, oh. And the old way was like, in fact, I tried to do that earlier on in my life. When I, I got involved with the Catholic Church and tried to play my guitar in church and all that stuff that was happening at that time. But it was like the, the new wine didn't fit in with the old way. And so if you receive the new wine, you've got to be ready to change everything in your life. It will not work otherwise. You'll probably be miserable because you, you can't enjoy sin anymore because you're convicted. And you can't enjoy the victory because you're dabbling in the sin. So you're somewhere in between. But if you're sold out to the Lord, if you're crucified with Christ daily, God will use you and anoint you to be a voice and to be a a force in this day. And Lord knows we certainly need that. For us, this new wine, this gospel of Christ, we have to receive it with an openness to the impossible, to the supernatural. To the, to the, to the uh, impossible, supernatural, and miraculous. And, and, and listen, everything is supernatural, in a sense. The fact that I'm preaching the Word of God right now is supernatural. Not because it's me, but it's because it's the Word of God. And when the Word of God goes forward, it does something. How does that happen? It happens by supernaturally. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and works it in our hearts somehow. You know, miracles happen when people hear the Word of God. Conviction of sin, new life, you know, changes, empowerment. We need to understand, like, like everything, everything is spiritual. You know, the, the Sunday night prayer meeting, it's on live stream, but that is such a spiritual event. We're talking, me and Pastor Bill or Pastor Wayne, we're talking and we're praying and we're reading. It's a spiritual event that's taking place. We wouldn't be doing it if it was anything else. Every Wednesday night, when I'm, I'm teaching on Wednesday night in, in Romans, you got to know, that is a spiritual time. We are in the Word of God. Dissecting it verse by verse, thinking about it, talking about it. We think about, you know, sermons, Bible studies, fellowship events. Everything is spiritual. We need to see Jesus actually in everything. Colossians 1 says that Jesus was before all things. Everything that was made was made through him and for him. Everything. He's the head of the body. He's the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. He's the firstborn from the dead so that when we die in Christ, we also will rise with Christ and be with him for eternity. Romans 6 tells us that when we, when we put our faith in Christ, we're crucified with Christ. As he rose from the grave, that resurrection power is now put into our heart that we have resurrection power. How could we not live with a pioneer spirit under those circumstances? We've got to. There's really no other way to live. 
you know, and everyone has to find your own little pioneer way. But, but as a Christian person, I'm telling you, you're anointed by God for something. You are anointed by God. You're saved by God for something. I mean, in my case, it took me a couple of years to figure that out. I really thought it was all about me getting saved and getting my life together. So good for me. Look at me now. And after a little while, I realized, well, now what? Now all that was for, there has to be more than that. And then I realized, ah, oh, it's a life of service. It's a life of giving. It's a life of praising and going out and doing new things for God. So, yeah, God has something for us. So I want to talk about this pioneer spirit, okay? I'm going to give you three things to think about, and I'll I'll go rather quickly here. But uh, three things, three thoughts to help you get get going in this direction of living with a pioneer spirit. Everybody with me? You on live stream, are you with me? I hope so. I remember before people came to the church, all we had was a camera. I talked to the camera. I'm talking to you on live stream. But, uh, but anyway, here's number one. Uh, with a pioneer, I'm talking about people who receive Christ, right? I'm talking about people that are born again, and you're a disciple of the Lord. The very first thing is, do something for the first time. Oh, I, I can't do it. Why? Wait a minute. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified. My old man is dead. My new man is here. Resurrection power. Boom. I have to start thinking about what can I do that I've never done in my life before. Listen, let me break it down. You might be the first person in your family to follow Jesus Christ. It's very possible. You may be the first one out of your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your friends, to say no to sin and yes to God. And although you're not perfect with it, they know where you stand. You should be proud of that, let me tell you. You should be happy. You are so special to be turning the tide of faith in your family. They may not receive it at first. But you know what? You're living your life for God. People need to see that. Be the first one to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. If 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians 5.17, if we say that we are a new creation in Christ, can I tell you something? You've got to set the sky as your limit. If that's true, if I'm a new creation in Christ, why would I limit what God wants to do with me? So let me go down a list here. You may be the first one in your, in your tribe, in your family, in your situation to graduate from high school. Go for it. You may be the first one to go to college or get a master's degree or get a Ph.D. I'm, I'm amazed at some people that I know that are getting their Ph.D. I would have never thought that before. You may be the first one in your family to have a bona fide career where you had vocational training and you love what you do and you do it really well. Praise God for that. Be the first one to hold down a steady job for a number of years and get the most out of it and give the most to it. I can remember when, when Pamela and I first got saved. I didn't know it at the time. But we had a pioneer spirit come upon us. I shared earlier the first thing that we got saved together. And the very first thing that we did after that was we got married. You better know that was a pioneer spirit to step out and get married. Because we wanted to. I wanted to, but, but now it was the right time. And the next day after we got married, we had packed up. We left New York and went to North Carolina where I went back to college that I had been kicked out of years before. And I, I told the dean, I said, I'm ready. I'm born again. I had a pioneer spirit. Then Pamela worked and put me through college. After a couple of years, I got a job in a prison. I'm working in a prison now. I'm saying, Lord, how do I get in a prison? I go through a gate every day for three years. The gate locks, and I'm, I'm ministering, not as a minister, as a vocational rehab counselor. 
But I'm, I'm ministering. I'm sharing the gospel with a lot of inmates, youthful offenders. After a couple of years, Stacy was born. And, and, and a pioneer spirit said, go back to New York. I said, no, I, I don't want to go back there. That's where I came. I don't, they know me. And Pam said, no, God spoke to us. We have to go. I said, no. She said, yeah. I said, oh. Pioneer spirit. I had to go back. I had to live my life in front of my mother and father and sister and brother and my friends and everybody else who knew me. Just like many of you do right here in Averill. I commend you. Believe me. I didn't want to do it. I was done. But the Lord called me back. So after some time there... The Lord pioneer spirit. The Lord said, okay, you're done here. I want you to go to Massachusetts. Webster, Massachusetts. I said, where's Webster, Massachusetts? And then Averill, Massachusetts. Where's Averill, Massachusetts? I'm just saying. I don't know if God has all that for you, but God's got something for you. I'll guarantee you. God's got something for you that, that will take a pioneer. But you have to be willing to flow. You really do. You have to be willing to flow. You have to be brave, in fact. You have to be a little bit, you know, he has to live on the wild side, in a sense. I think back of what I just said with Pamela. Oh, my goodness. The things I put her mother through at the time, I wasn't even thinking about some things with her family. But it was just a wild time, but, but God brought it all together. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this spirit be in you, or let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what Christ did? He left glory with the pioneer spirit, came to earth, lived his life, did his mission, and went back to glory. But let that, let that mind be in you. I'm telling you, with a pioneer spirit, you've got to be willing to do things for the very first time. Philip went to, the, went to Samaria. No one ever preached like that in Samaria before. He was the first one. Peter went to Cornelius and the, the Gentiles. No one did that before. And... and, and uh, the Church of Antioch, Acts 13. The first of its kind. I, I love this story so much. But in the Church of Antioch, they had, they had the Greek man. They had the black man. They had the Roman man. They had the Pharisee. They had the, the one from uh, Cyrene. And they're all working together, praying together. And Galatians 2.11, 2, we see Paul now is called by God for the very first time, probably the only time, to go confront Peter. How would you like to have that assignment? Of whom I will build my church. That Peter. Go confront him. Tell him he's wrong. First time. No one ever confronted Peter like that before. Except Jesus. But here's Paul. Called to confront Peter. And he does it. And he does it well. He does it masterfully. Later we read in Peter's epistle. He refers to Paul, to Paul as our beloved Paul. So they, they were okay after all of that. I'm telling, the first thing is, don't be afraid to be the first one. Don't be afraid. Step out. If God is for you, who can be against you? What, what are people going to laugh at you? Really? Christ died on the cross for me and you. They're going to laugh? Let them laugh. Who cares? They're going to look at you funny? Really? Who cares? You know? But don't be afraid to be the first one. And you could take that, apply it to your situation. Let me go on to number two. The second thing is with the pioneer spirit, we've got to be, we've got to do something creative. You know, we serve a creative God, don't we? Think about the human body, how complex it is. Those little children running around and 
when they were, before they were, oh my good, the whole thing is just amazing. How God creates life. How God put together the universe and this, the earth and the planets and the stars and the sun. And, but we have a creative God. And uh, now in, in Galatians 2.12, the problem with the Judaizers is that they were not creative. They couldn't imagine taking this truth of the gospel and letting it stand by itself. They had to add the other laws to it. They weren't creative enough to let that go and just stand alone with, with this gospel. And it was stifling believers, hurting themselves. And then, you know, they had to be corrected. They were later corrected through the Jerusalem Council. And look at, look at Paul in this passage, Galatians 2, verses 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, he's creatively making his case. He's saying in verse 14, how could... Peter, you know better than that. You know better. How could you do that? How could you to add to the, the, the message of the gospel and add laws and rules to it? You know better than that. Are you making Christ now a minister of sin? Are you going backwards? You're, you're tearing up what you tore down before? And who bewitched you? You know, the, to me, Paul is being creative in how he's presenting the whole story. So we need to be creative to think that, you know what? With God... All things are possible. Really? According to Matthew 19. But if that's true, then my, my relative that's lost in sin, and, and in dark, not only sin, but in dark sin, I have to be creative, because I believe all things are possible with God. But I've got to be creative in how I'm going to relate to that person. I can't write them off like my flesh might want to. In my spirit, man, I've got to be creative and, and ask God, how can, I be a, how can I be used by you to touch that person that I love? Because I know that you're able to save them, and I don't want to get in the way. But I've got to be creative to be open to that whole idea. Romans 3.23 and 6.23. All are guilty of sin. All have sinned, but all are redeemable through the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's true, who am I to judge anybody? I've got to be creative and figure out a way to get this message out there. Colossians 3.11 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, Scythian or barbarian. Christ is in all and Christ is, Christ is for all. So if that's true, how do I creatively reach the masses? Not only the masses, but how do I reach the locals with the same message? But I realize that with, with, with having a pioneer spirit... Having a pioneer spirit allows us to step across the yard, so to speak. In other words, I can become friends with people that are younger than me or older than me. I can, if I want to. I can become friends with people that are different than me. They come from a different economic level or background than I do. I can become friends with people that are uh, in a, on a different education level than I am. But I need to be creative to do that. Paul said, I, you know, to the Jew, I became a Jew and this and that. But I become all things to all men that I might win some. But if I have a creative spirit, a pioneer spirit, I can, I can reach across the table and become acquainted and familiar with other people. I can appreciate people from Puerto Rico. I think it's, I think it's wild. I can appreciate people from Dominican Republic if I want to. I can appreciate people from... I don't know, Colombia, or from Guatemala, or from Uganda, or Nigeria, or Kenya. I, I can appreciate African Americans, 
or Native Americans. I, I can, if I'm created enough, I, I, can, I can figure out a way to touch base with anybody. And let me just say this. You know, a lot of people say God doesn't see color. I really disagree with that. God, obviously, he sees color. Come on. He made color. He made the races. He made cultures. He, it's all good. What he sees is, is how we react to each other. He does see that. But he doesn't hold anything against anybody. And he does, he, of course, he sees the color, but he's watching us how we react to it. But a pioneer spirit says, this is not a roadblock. This is an opportunity. So regarding the pandemic, so many people say, man, my life is in turmoil and I got to wear that stupid mask and this and that and can't go here. And my restaurant's closed and blah, blah, blah. You know what? On the other hand, this is definitely a holy pause. God is putting the whole world on pause. You ever wonder why? <laughs> He's got something up his sleeve. You have to realize in the midst of that, there's the fires, there's the hurricanes, the tornadoes, and this and that, the social unrest, people getting killed on the street. But, but we're, in, we're in basically in a holy pause. And many people have used this time to have family time, to have more God time, to clean out the basement or whatever, to do something that you haven't been able to do. And I, I want to encourage you, you know, it's how you look at it. Be creative during this time. You know, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't gripe and complain about it too much. It's not going to do any good for one thing. But second of all, this is where we are. So let's make the best of it and be creative and, and do what we do. I never thought about, I never knew about Zoom before all this. I don't think I, re, I, mean, I may have heard of it, but I never really knew what it was. Someone said, you have to have Zoom meetings. I said, what? Zoom? You know, Zoom, I don't know. What, what is Zoom meeting? I don't even know. What is it? Zoom, you know, you're on your, I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't. I do now, but, you know, live stream. You know, we did some live stream, but, man, the first couple of live streams from my office, from my phone, I was like, oh, hey, everybody, you know. Now I, I could utilize it. I could, I could play with it. I could, you know, it's great. You have to be creative. Can I talk about the social unrest right now for just a minute? Because there's a lot of turmoil in our country, in our community. There's a lot of racial unrest, social unrest. I think it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to tune in to some issues in our culture. And I am not supporting violence or the uh, protesting and the, you know, the destruction of property. I am not, not even going close to that. I stand against that. But I do stand for some social change where it's needed the proper way. But I, I just wonder, like, what is God saying to us and as I said earlier, we're a multicultural church. We, we have people from different cultures, ethnic, uh, ethnic groups, ethnic backgrounds. How do we deal with that, you know? We have people from different political positions. And uh, how do we deal with that? I'm just saying, this is an opportunity to get to know each other, to understand each other. When Jesus said, he said two things. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. No, he said, well, I'm sorry. He said, uh, you must love, love one another as I've loved you. Love one. So the love has to be in the church. But secondly, we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. What if your neighbor is not a Christian? What if your neighbor is from anywhere and doesn't even practice your faith? It is a different color, different culture, different ethnic group, different language even. How do, how do you love that person? Well, Jesus never said they have to be your brother to love them. He said to love them. So I think the whole racial thing 
And I, I hear it all. I, I see it all. I, I, I listen to Stephen A. I listen to LeBron James. I listen to different people that say things. I'm trying to weigh out where do I stand on all, where I stand on all the issues is to love each other. And to spend time with each other to get to know how, why they feel the way they feel. That, to me, would be very important. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, When one suffers, everybody suffers within the body of Christ. Well, what if you're in the body of Christ and you have an African-American and, a, I don't know, an Asian-American and somebody else from somewhere, and they're suffering about something. But you can't relate to what they're suffering about because you're white or you're something else. You have no connection with why they're suffering. What do you do then? You sit down and listen. You catch their vibe. You listen to their heartache and their pain, and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I want to pray with you. It's not a time to bring your judgment into the picture. It's a time to listen to others. See, a pioneer spirit says, I feel your pain, and I never walked in your shoes, but I'm willing to walk alongside of you if you let me, and I won't condemn you, and please don't condemn me either. I just want to hear you. That's what a pioneer spirit would say. Peter certainly had it when he met with uh, Cornelius. Did I say this already? Cornelius was a Roman. He was a Jew. Cornelius was military. Peter was a Christian. Cornelius ate everything. Peter still ate the Jewish food. They had nothing in common. But creatively, Peter was able to minister to that man in his household. Philip, the same way, the Samaritan. Nothing in common with the Samaritans. Didn't even like the Samaritans. Didn't want to even walk through Samaria because they were an unholy people. And after he gets done with the Samaritans, praying for them, preaching to them, laying hands on them, delivering them from demons and whatnot, the Lord called them out of Samaria to now minister to the one Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza. And now Philip could be saying, Lord, what are you doing? You're killing me. First you want me to go to the Samaritans. Now you want me to go to the African. And I'm just a Jewish guy. And so creatively, they were able, he was able to minister to anyone that God put in his path. Paul was certainly creative, ministering to the Thessalonians, the Romans, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Philippians, the Ephesians, and where else he ministered to. They had nothing in common, but they had Christ. Am I making sense? Am I getting through? We're Christians. We should have an answer or some direction for the problems that are, we're facing. You know, I, I, our country's, our community is in turmoil as well. There's a lot of racial, social unrest in our own community. I just want to throw it out here. We need to be creative to be a help instead of a hindrance. The last thing is this. I'm going to close. If we want to have a pioneer spirit, we've got to do something spiritual. Is that a good idea? I mean, you know, we are spiritual beings. And Jesus, you know, we are born again in the spirit. So we have to do something spiritual. Our old man is dying and dying, and, but our new man is living and thriving. So we must begin to do spiritual things. Let me give you some examples. I think every one of us in this room and on live stream, if you put your mind, and I, I would leave a little bit of room for someone that, with a health problem. But I think that almost everyone that could hear this could get up 15 minutes earlier every day and pray for 15 minutes before you set out the door. You know why? Look, that new man in you needs that God time. That new person needs God time. 
Now, I've, I've done this the wrong way for many years, many times. I would get up and just start running. And sometime in mid-morning, I'd say, oh, I better start praying now. But it's so much better when we give it to God first thing, before anything happens. That new man needs to be nurtured and fed before anything happens. And you know something's going to happen. Every day, something happens. We need to recognize that we need daily food. We need daily food. We need to recognize we can, we can start attending church. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're on live stream. But we could make church life a real part of our existence. Like brushing our teeth. Who brushes your teeth? But, you know, you brush your teeth and you, you pray and you go to church. You know, basic things. Do something spiritual. Go to church. Get on that live stream. Get on the live stream on Wednesday night. It's a great Bible study. Learn the Word of God. Do something spiritual. Come to the prayer meeting on Monday nights. Every Monday night for years, we've been praying. Every Monday night at 6.30. Why? Why? You can't do that? I don't know. What's up? I'm just saying, do something spiritual. Tuesday, Thursday, 12 o'clock to 12.30, if you're available. We have a little live stream with my granddaughter, Ella. The girl is amazing. But I'm just saying, it's a little shot in the arm in the middle of the week to, help, to encourage you in your faith. Do something spiritual. Get on the Zoom meeting for the men's meeting. Get on the Zoom meeting for the women. These are great opportunities to do something spiritual. Let me get a little bit more specific. You and I could overcome our fear. Because the Word of God says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind in 2 Timothy 1. We can overcome our fear. We can overcome our lust and our passions. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. Be holy, for I am holy. The Lord would not say to be holy if we couldn't be holy. We can be. Do something spiritual. Make some decisions, whatever. Put a block on your internet, whatever you have to do. You could be healed from your, overcome your past. Uh, 2 Corinthians, that should be 5.17. We're a new creation in Christ. You can, you can overcome your failure like Peter did. Apparently he did. And Peter has a history. You know, Jesus said to Peter one time, when, when Jesus said, I've got I've to give my life and die and I'm going to sacrifice my life, Peter said, Lord, no, never going to do that. And Peter, uh, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, Get behind me, Satan. How would you like to have that on your resume? Jesus called Peter Satan. He overcame it. Peter said, I don't know him three times. He overcame it. Peter said, forget this, man. I'm going fishing. He overcame that too. And now Paul's calling him a hypocrite. And he got over that too because he knew he was, he was wrong and Paul was right. This is Peter where Jesus said, you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church. See, God knows our hearts. He knew Peter's heart in the midst of all that. I'm just, I'm just saying, can we resurrect or maybe for the first time be thinking about our pioneer spirit? Stacy shared last week about a message about being in the wild, you know, a wild salvation and all that stuff and just really good. And so the Lord is calling us to make a difference. So in summary, this pioneer spirit, do something for the first and be, be, ha- be happy with it. Be glad you're doing it. Step out in faith and do something you never thought you could do before. Number two, be creative. 
how you think of things, how you look at situations, how you look at the social and racial unrest in our country, in our community. Be creative. Put yourself in another person's shoes to try to understand how they feel, where they're coming from, what's going on in the background of the whole thing. And then, of course, do something spiritual. Put legs on your thoughts and put action into your thought and do, actually do something that has a spiritual significance. So I want to read verse number 20 again. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if Peter were hearing this, he would say to Paul, Paul, I get it. I got it 100%. My old way of thinking about the separating myself from the Gentiles was wrong. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm a new creation, and I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going on with Jesus, and I'm going on with the movement of the church. So can we stand together? I want to say this verse together before we pray. So repeat this with me, will you? and loud. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's say it one more time. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Every head bowed for just a moment. I just want to raise this, this question here that if there's anyone here today that feels like this is your time, you want to, you want to have your, your old man crucified with Christ. Really done with Christ. Yes, thank you, sir. Anybody else? I want, to, I want, it to, I want all my stuff to die and to stay dead. Anyone like that? Yeah, my hand is up too. Listen, I wonder if anybody here is ready to entertain the thought that God has put a pioneer spirit into your spirit. You already know, without me even saying this message today, you already know there's something going on with you and God, and you've got to do something to satisfy that urge that God put in your heart. And my third thing is this. How many of you have unsaved loved ones? Yeah, all of us, you know. But we want God to use us, not to hurt the situation, but to be a vessel to bridge the gap and to bring Christ into those people's lives that we love. Yeah, so let's pray. Father God, Lord, with those that raise their hands, Lord, Lord, in a sense, all of our hands are up. Lord, we ask you, and maybe everyone here has come to you before, and we we crucified our life, we put our life on the cross, but little by little we take it down again. We stand around the cross, or we, we jump around, and, but, not, but not be on the cross. Lord, help us to get back on that cross, to see it, to, 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 to be aware of it every day. Lord, when we, we wake up every morning, the battle begins as soon as we wake up. I, I know it does. The battle happens every day. There's a battle for our soul every single day. So, Lord, help us to recognize that our old man has got to stay dead. Our new man has got to be fed the word of God and the peace of God and the presence of God. Help us, Lord, to pray. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to make prayer an absolute priority. 
Even if we don't even know what to say to you, let us just sit in your presence for a little while and have your anointing come on us. Help us, Lord, that, our, that the beginning of our days would be spent just recognizing the fact my new man needs to be nurtured today before anything else happens. Lord, help us with that. Lord, help us also to, to activate this pioneer spirit. Let us look at life with the, with the idea that this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to be used by God for something special. Lord, help us as Christians to look at this pandemic, look at the social unrest, even the political season we're in. Help us as Christians to be creative and to figure out how do we, how do we influence everything in a godly manner. We need your help, Lord. So, Lord, we pray for our unsaved loved ones, that they too will come to know you in a personal way. We pray, Lord, that our lives would be a life used in a good way to bring them into, your, into a relationship with you. We pray, Lord, that we would never become a hindrance or a problem for anyone that we know, but that we would be a vessel used to pave the way for them to come to know you and serve you. So, Lord, as we conclude, may your blessing rest upon the church. Those that are here, those that are on live stream, those that may listen to this later in the week, Lord, may your blessing rest upon this body of believers. May we go out in victory with the pioneer spirit to do something radical for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, go in and go in confidence.